0: You can usually tell when you go into someone's house if they're, if they're Catholic or not by, by a certain thing that may or may not be on their wall. And what is that? I think hopefully no, know that would be the crucifix. It's usually only uh, Catholics that have a crucifix someplace in their house. And by the way, if you don't have a crucifix in your house, I highly recommend that you get one. Uh, and that's actually a very, very... Uh, A beautiful process of getting a crucifix. I remember back when I was in college, I I really wanted a crucifix. Uh, I thought it was finally time I was was an adult and I I wanted one, but but I didn't really have any money, so I couldn't really buy one. Sounds weird, right? But my mom said, I'll get you one for Christmas. And so she did, but she was very smart. And she said, now this is a crucifix that, that I got for you, but you don't have to keep this one. There's a gift receipt in there, and I want you to go choose the one that you want. So it was awesome. I was able to go down to the St. Patrick's Guild. and this kind of you know, sounds weird, shop for a crucifix, but, but one that, that really touched me, and I still still have it. And it's just for me, you know that's, it's something that is so beautiful. But, but why? Why do we have a crucifix? Why not? Just a cross, you know, as, as most Christians uh will have. Well, as we know, the crucifix is, is one of the things that is as a sign of love. Love that Jesus has for us. But also it's a sign of the resurrection. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take a look at today's gospel today's gospel is a very famous passage. It's John chapter 3. We have John chapter 3, 16 in there. Probably the, the best known scripture passage in, in the New Testament, right? Why? Well, because back in the 1980s, there was some, uh, some guy that was really inspired by God to sit behind home plate in national sporting events with a nice clown wig on that said John three sixteen, and That inspired people to look it up. And maybe you don't remember that, Maybe you were a wrestling fan in the late 90s and early 2000s, and there was a guy named Stone Cold Steve Austin who had Austin 316. But he knew that wasn't a good saying, so he said, "What did that come from?" Well, that was John 3:16. So what does that say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him might not perish, but might have eternal life. God. Loved the world so much he gave us his son so we may have eternal life. But it's right before that, it's in John 3 14 and 15, that Jesus says something interesting to, to Nicodemus. By the way, who is Nicodemus? We see Nicodemus throughout John's gospel. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, uh, he's someone who is high up in the, in the uh, Jewish religion, but he comes to Jesus at nighttime because he's afraid. We fast forward, by the way, after his Uh, crucifixion, Nicodemus is the one taking Jesus down from the cross and is following him. Of all times you think, well, he just died. Why are you now publicly acknowledging him? Well, Nicodemus probably remembered what Jesus said in 14 and 15. Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And so we hear that word lifted up. But even then, we may think, okay, what what happened with Moses and the serpent in the desert? In order to see that, we have to go back uh, to Numbers 21, verses 4 to 9. And this wasn't our Old Testament reading today, but, but I think it's worth going back and hearing the story of, of Moses and the, the, and the Israelites in the desert. Of course, we know they're, they're fleeing from Egypt. Uh, they're fleeing from slavery. And they're going to the promised land. They're going to Jerusalem. We think as well, okay, we have Jesus, who eventually has this triumphant entrance into where? Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is supposed to be this promised land, but he doesn't stop there. Jesus has also this triumphant entry into eternal life. But here's Numbers 21, 4 to 9. This is what it, what it states. lost my page. There we go. From, uh, so the Israelites set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many sons of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, and said to Moses, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it up as a sign. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. And set it up as a sign. And if a serpent bit any man, he will look at the bronze serpent and live. We hear the word serpent, by the way, and what do we think of there? We think of the evil one. Where else do we encounter the serpent? All the way back with Adam and Eve who are in the Garden of Eden. And they have plenty of food to eat just as, by the way, the Israelites had plenty of food to eat. God provided them manna every single day, and quail as well. And yet they complained against the Lord. We go back to Adam and Eve, and the serpent tricks them uh, to eat from, from the tree of knowledge. And so it's almost that serpent striking, even then, at the heel of Adam and Eve, the, the evil one. And the same thing happens uh, with the Israelites as well. But yet, if they look at the bronze serpent on what? On a stick, they surely will not die. They surely will live. And so now we fast forward back to this passage from Jesus who was saying this. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent of the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And we look. At the cross, and we see the Son of Man is lifted up on a cross for us. Why? So that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. You see, what Jesus does when He takes on the cross, when He mounts the gibbet of the cross, is He takes our sin. And he's that perfect sacrifice for us, because we have been bit. We have been bit by original sin. And so what Jesus is doing for us is saying, I will be your sacrifice. I will mount this cross. And when you look at me, on top of Mount Calvary for you. I hope what you see is my love for you. I hope what you see is that when you believe in me, I will take you away from this poison of sin and I will give you eternal life. See, when we look at Jesus on the cross, when we look at the crucifix, we're able to say, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? And so we see not only an act of love for us, but we see as well that when we follow him, believe in him, we'll have this eternal life. All we have to do is follow him. And we do this freely because we see he will do anything for us.